Costello. I'm going to New York with you. You know, Bucky Harris, the Yanks manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Habit, if you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you know, I, mean, I never met the guys, so you'll have to tell me their names, and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you their names, but you know, strange it may seem, they give these ball players nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean and... His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. I'm their French cousin. French? Gouffet. Gouffet Dean. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, let's see, we have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find I out. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you know the fellow's name? Oh, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yes. <laughs> Look, you got a first baseman? Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> All I'm trying to find out is the fellow's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets the That's money. That's it. Who gets the money on he first base? He does, every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's wife? Yes. <laughs> Hello again, everybody. This is uh, Rich Martin coming to you uh, on the podcast, uh, A Life in Baseball, A Life in General. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, this is our podcast number five. And at the end of this podcast, um, I'm going to play the entire Who's on First routine from Bud Abbott and Costello that you hear when we first come on. Uh, we've, you know, we, we, we love listening to it, and it's so clever and so intelligent. And as I mentioned before, Abbott and Costello are the only uh, two people inducted into the Hall of Fame that have nothing to do with baseball other than the fact that they did this routine. Um, so we talk about three things here, basically, about my 40-year career, uh, coaching um, college baseball with a couple of years of high school baseball. Uh, we talk about Rich Martin's All-Star Baseball Camp, uh, which we ran for 35 years. And we talk about growing up in Brooklyn in the um, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, it was an interesting time. Um, I hope you enjoy these uh, uh, podcasts. If you have any uh, questions, any comments, any critiques, Please reach us at Ramapo35, R-A-M-A-P-O-35, at gmail.com. I wanted to talk today a little bit about um, about camp and about some of the uh, stories and some of the celebrities that came. Um, I would mentioned previously that every week uh, during the summer, and the camp ran from 1981 to 2016, it ran eight weeks during the summer, uh, all of July and August, and uh, each week we would have a guest star who would come in. It was strictly window dressing. He would come in, and he would um, talk to the campers. He would take a picture with each camper, and he would sign uh, autographs. Uh, of course, I would take them and uh, wouldn't let him leave, and I pounded him with questions about hitting and pitching, whoever it might be. The camp had an interesting... Uh, Routine and I developed it as we went along. Um, and so, what, ha- what, what the way it would work would it would be that um, uh, you'd come in on a Sunday, and you would um, uh, come in in the afternoon. Uh, I never was one to get up real early. I promise you. I mean, now that I'm retired, I don't do mornings anymore at all. But anyway, um, so you'd come in on a Sunday. 
And then the first thing you would do after you registered was you'd go to dinner. And we'd have a dinner at 4.30, and we'd invite the parents. Everybody would come. And uh, the, very, the schools we went to, uh, the College of New Jersey, C.W. Post College, Ryder College, uh, uh, Hofstra University, and um, uh, Ramapo College, all the schools provided us uh, with uh, good meals, even though uh, at times they would give us uh, hamburgers in the afternoon, uh, chopped meat uh, spread over macaroni in the evening, and the next morning they'd find another way to uh, use the beef. But we paid a great deal of money for the food, and that was the first thing we did. And then that Sunday at 6 o'clock we had a workout where we'd actually evaluate, we call them evaluations, or the guys got to call them evals. And uh, we went out for two hours and we worked everybody out in their age groups to see who would go where. Starting Monday morning, uh, we would um, wake up at 7, breakfast was 7.30 to 8.30. We'd be on the field at 9 a.m. and we'd go from 9 to 11. And what we would do would be uh, work on a skill we'd teach. Maybe one morning would be uh, hitting, bunting. Another morning would be base running. Another morning would be defensive play, and so on. Uh, and so each morning, Monday to Friday, 9 to 11, we would teach. Uh, at um, at uh, 11.30, we'd go to lunch, and then we'd have uh, our afternoon first session at 1 o'clock. And that would be from 1 to 3, and we'd continue to work on some things we had taught in the morning. We'd play a game. But it wouldn't be a pure game. We'd stop it and we'd make sure that we um, implemented the things that we had spoken about. That went on from 1 to 3. From 3.15 to 4.15, we had extra help. And the coaches would go out to the field and work with individual kids. That wasn't a required session. If you wanted to stay in the dorm and play video games or watch TV or just hang out with your friends or go swimming or play basketball, you could do that. 4.30 was dinner, an early dinner, <clears throat> and um, uh, 6 o'clock we had the evening session where from 6 to 8 we tried to play a game as close as we could to a real ball game. Uh, 8 o'clock started uh, the evening activities, and that went from till 10. Uh, evening activities were uh, basketball in the gym and swimming, and um, we had a snack bar. We had a hangout. And I took the same idea that I, I did with a lady of Guadalupe. I, I had this, this basic baseball hangout where we would hang out when we weren't playing. And so that, uh, what, what, it, what it, we, we hoped it would do and what it did was uh, develop tremendous camaraderie. And I loved uh, our time with all the guys. We had a lot of fun one night. <coughs> Excuse me. Pardon me. One night we had um, a karaoke night. I love this thing. I sing. I still uh, sing. I'm going to uh, uh, play something for you uh, when I have the courage in a couple of weeks. Uh, some of my uh, I have about 145 songs recorded, mostly Sinatra and Tony Bennett and Billy Joel and some of the uh, you know the American standards. Uh, We'd have a night where we did uh, trivia, and we'd give our prizes for trivia. And Friday nights, we'd have our award ceremony, and we would do the great uh, $100 prize for one and two ducks. 
Um, I was a big Jerry Lewis fan. I loved his physical comedy like I did with uh, Kramer and with, uh, you know, the guys that were physical, uh, uh, Chevy Chase and guys like that. And um, and so uh, I saw uh, Jerry Lewis one time in Las Vegas, sat right up front, and I was enamored with him and how silly he was and how he made people laugh. And uh, he did a... Um, he did a, a, a routine in one of his movies called The Announcer's Test. You could still see it if you go on jerrylewis.com. And this test uh, was one where a person had to say 10 phrases, and the phrases would use all the different types of speech and all the different uh, you know, ways of saying things. And uh, at camp, if you would uh, be able to recite that, on Friday night. I didn't do it every Friday night, especially when guys won because it cost me a hundred bucks. But um, guys would actually come uh, who had been, many campers would come back year after year, would stay multiple weeks. And those guys would start to memorize it and uh, write it down. One guy used to tape it. And after about four weeks, he taped it enough that he was able to... Um, you know what? I just realized, Zuki. I just realized I sucked my teeth. I I got it now. Uh, that's a, a, an aside. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, so um, I went and I saw Lewis and uh, and I saw him perform and um, and I had memorized that he had done it in a movie. I don't remember the name of the movie. And I saw him in Vegas and and uh, at the end of the um, at the performance, I, as I said, I was right in the front. He was walking off the stage. I said, one hand, two ducks. And he turned and looked at me, he pointed at me, and he told me to follow him. And one of the guys came and took me backstage, and I got to meet Jerry Lewis personally and speak to him. He was charming and really great, and he dared me to do the 10 phrases. He said it was no big deal because there were 15 in reality, but I had never heard the last five. So here it goes, and if you go on our, uh, if you go on the, um, put in uh, YouTube um, about the All-Star Baseball Camp, there is a video of us doing this with a bunch of kids at the end of a camp session. See if I can get it. I haven't said it in a while. One hand, two ducks, three squawking geese, four limerick oysters, five corpulent porpoises, six pairs of Donalvarius tweezers, 7,000 Macedonians in full battle array, eight brass monkeys from the ancient sacred crypts of Egypt, nine apathetic, sympathetic, diabetic, all men on all scales with a marked propensity towards procrastination and slow, ten lyrical, spherical, diabolical, denizens of deep will hold stall around the corner of the quo, the quay, and the quivy, all at the same time. Unbelievable. Unbelievable after all these years that it still sits right there at the tip of my um, brain, <laughs> which is frightening. Um, anyway, um, that's how the camp went, and we had this guest come in. And we had great guests. We had Mariano Rivera, El Duque, Whitey Ford. Uh, we, we had uh, Hall of Fame guests all the time, Tug McGraw. Now, remember, we ended in 2016, so, uh, uh, you know, there were guys that you maybe names you won't realize uh, Kevin Pillar uh, was there. Um, oh, I, I there were so many uh, great players. Lenny Dykstra and uh, Keith Hernandez. And uh, uh, I'm just off the top of my head, I'm just trying to think. Uh, it was funny. And we did have a lot of celebrities. We had celebrities who came 
uh, all the time their, their children. And I remember having um, Pete Rose's son. He was about 14 when he came, Pete Rose Jr. We found him one night when we did bed checks. We found him in the girls' dormitory uh, having a hell of a time and uh, dragged him back. I guess uh, he was an outstanding player. I guess uh, the apple doesn't fall far. But um, he was there. Um, uh, Greg uh, Maddox, the outfielder for the Phillies, uh, whose um, the father's um, trademark was, um, was it Greg Maddox? I'm trying to think if I got the name right. Um, no, it wasn't Greg. Maybe it was. But anyway, well, you'll, you'll know who it was when I say that two-thirds of the world is covered by water and the other third by this center, Philly center fielder. Um, so um, we had a lot of great guys like that who came in. Um, we had uh, Howard Johnson's son and his friends. We used to call him Glenn Joe. What a great kid and what great people. And I, I believe that they're doing something like we did at camp. I think they run some sort of uh, baseball facility, training facility. And uh, they came for two, three years in a row. They were just outstanding young men. And we had so much fun with them. Uh, I used to get into my uh, Chevy Tracker, and I used to show them how um, how I used to be able to drive a little bit differently, uh, being the wheelman and all, as I had mentioned previously. So anyway, um, we had all types of guys like that come in. Uh, Greg, um, George Forster's sons came in. Um, and <clears throat> it, which leads me to a story, and there are so many, but I'll give you this one first because I think it's one of my favorites. It was early in camp, the first or second year, and uh, we ran for eight weeks, as I said, and uh, somebody had signed up, and he had signed up to come for five weeks and then ultimately loved it so much that he stayed for the eight weeks. And, and of course, if you stayed for a long period of time, you became a member of the family, it was a very warm atmosphere, and so this young fella, I'll, I'll call him Danny, um, came in, and uh, just just we loved him, and he loved the camp, and we had so much fun. Well, he came in, and I remember him coming on, on opening day uh, on that Sunday afternoon in a big, humongous limo, and the guys went crazy because they would help with the luggage, bringing everything in. I, as I mentioned, it's an overnight camp. And so they all ran to this limo because they figured they'd get a nice uh, tip once they brought everything in. A lot of times they weren't tipped at all, but most times they were. Anyway, <clears throat> this kid came in. He had a ton of stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. And he got a nice, uh, he got a nice tip. So um, he came in and, uh, and enjoyed it. And at the time, what I would do is that... Uh, uh, as I mentioned, every night, 8 to 10, we had evening activities, and uh, one night we had a, um, we would have a, um, a karaoke, another night we would have the um, uh, the um, uh, trivia contest, and um, ultimately, um, one night we would have a movie, and I tried to make it a first-run movie, and how did I make it a first-run movie? <clears throat> Back in Brooklyn... I would talk to a friend of mine uh, who would provide me with movies that would just in, in, the, in the movie theaters, in the cinema. They weren't great copies, but they were good enough copies. 
Uh, and one of the um, the movies that was playing at the time that was in the cinema, and this will date what year it was, was uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. And so each week on the on the movie night, we would play our copy of Indiana Jones. And it was really cool, and the kids loved it because they hadn't seen it yet in, in theaters. Uh, another night, uh, another thing I remember is that one night a week, before we opened up our own little store, we would um, take uh, guys on a little trip to the local 7-Eleven, and we'd use a lantern, and we'd all walk together, it'd be pitch black, because we were out in New Jersey, in, in, at, at the College of New Jersey, it was real suburbia at the time, and um, that would be another thing, we'd go, and we did that for a while until um, until the owner of the uh, 7-Eleven decided that uh, you know, he wouldn't give us any discounts, and he was a real jerk. So all I did was I, I, I went and I got, I opened up my own store, and we did that for 35 years. But um, anyway, getting back to the story, um, excuse me one second. Getting back to the story, um, we would uh, watch this movie, and... and uh, Every once in a while, um, we'd play it. Um, we didn't. Sometimes we'd play two movies, but almost everybody saw this copy of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So uh, we're getting to the end of camp. This fellow Danny decides to um, to stay the sixth week and the seventh week and the eighth week, and finally we're getting ready to leave. I'm ex- exhausted. As I, it turns out that I, I had to go into the hospital a week after camp ended because I was exhausted and, you know, I didn't really know how to do it yet and uh, didn't really, um, you know, I, 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 it was interesting. Uh, a camp ran there at the time, same time was a basketball camp. I think it might have been called maybe East-West, I don't recall. But anyway, Lou Carnesecca, the, um, the famous St. John's basketball coach uh, who I knew, he was running his camp, and he gave me the best advice. He said, listen, you got to pace yourself. You can't coach every team. You can't deal with every single issue, which I basically did, but um, I did learn over the years to pace myself. So anyway, we're going home, um, and uh, one, I hear some one of the guys say, well, I can't wait for Danny's uh, people to come because he got all this stuff, and we'll get a great, and he loves the camp. We'll get a great discount, this and that. A great uh, tip, excuse me, this and that. So, um, uh, lo and behold, the uh, limo pulls up, and um, Danny goes out. The guys are all with him, and everybody's crying and hugging. And I walked out, and um, and I, you know, I gave him a big hug and, and thanked him. And I said, if you want to come back, I think he was 13 or 14. I said, want to come back next year and work a couple of weeks? You know, he said, oh, no, I want to come back and play which was great, and and at that point, uh, he got into the limo, and I was standing next to this enormous limo, and uh, the the window went down on the on the side that I was standing, and this fellow was in the in the um, in the back seat. He said, "Thank you so much for taking care of Danny. He had the time of his life." I said, "Well, it was our pleasure. We had the time of our lives too. We had the greatest amount of fun uh, doing this. Uh, we were all big kids at the time." And he handed me um, a little envelope, which which I thought had money in it. I said, "Oh no, no, uh, you know, uh, I think the camp at that time was three, four hundred dollars a week." 
uh, including everything, room and board. Anyway, he handed me this envelope, which was quite, you know, which was large. It wasn't a business envelope. It was bigger. And um, and I, I, I thanked him, uh, said goodbye to Danny. Everybody said goodbye. We went back in. And, of course, we had to break down the camp, which was lunacy. Uh, after eight weeks of living there, I brought my whole apartment with me. Um, and so um, I took this envelope and put it on the side um, and uh, didn't think much of it. Um, about a week or two after that, I get a, a phone call from Danny, and he's thanking me, and he had the greatest time, and, and he hopes I enjoy the present. So <clears throat> I reminded myself, and I said, oh, my God, how much money could be in this thing? I mean, it was kind of bulky. I said, well, well, I have no idea. But anyway, so um, I eventually, after about a month or so, I eventually opened up the envelope, and instead of money being in there, was it was a note, and it was from Danny, and it said, "Thank Coach, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it, and uh, this is for you." And in inside uh, was a VHS tape. You know, back then there were no DVDs or stuff. And I, I looked at it and I said, "Oh," I said, uh, and I saw on the cover it was uh, a, a real copy of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, and I said, oh, that's cool. You know, that's really great. I said, you know, he, we were so sick of, of, um, of you know, looking at this, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> what would you say, uh, stolen copy, bad copy. Um, uh, so I said, that's great. And I put it uh, in my, on my shelf and forgot about it. Well, um, we get to about January or February, uh, and it's real cold out, and I'm home, and I'm, I'm saying, you know what? Let me take a look at this, uh, at this tape, uh, and see the movie for the real, you know, the really, the way it was really cut, you know, uh, the way it was really uh, put together, not this uh, crappy copy that we had shown the kids and watched a hundred times. So um, I went on the shelf. I took out, had a little trouble finding it, and I finally took it out and um, and I put it in. I turned, and I don't know, I probably lit up a cigar, which I normally do. <clears throat> and I turned, and uh, there was an office. The first scene was an office. And there was a big desk, and there was all books behind it. And I, you know, I, I didn't know what it was, but I didn't think, I thought it was kind of interesting. So um, I looked, and the next thing, the door opened, and the fellow who was in the back of the, of the limo Walked into the office. Sorry, Alexa, just talking to me. Sorry, Alexa. Um, so the fellow walks in, and he stands, uh, he sits on the desk. And the camera, go, you know, moves in a little bit to his face. And he said, um, how you doing, Coach Martin? On the screen. And I, my eyes opened, and I said, I just wanted you to know that Danny had a wonderful time at your baseball camp. I thought that considering that you played uh, the the shitty tape all summer, I wanted to make sure that you got a good tape. This is uh, a director's cut. Uh, this is the finest quality tape, and it has all different features and extra things in it, and I wanted you to have it. And if you haven't figured it out by now, my name is Steven Spielberg. Well... I, I dropped a cigar. I made a big hole in my couch. 
and I just stood there and looked, went to black, and then the next thing you know is the famous music from Raiders of the Lost Ark. I took the tape. I didn't play it. I mean, I, it ran about five minutes until I knew what the, where the hell I was, and I took the tape, I took it out, put it in um, back in the envelope, and it sits now in a safe in a bank close by. I don't know how much, I don't know if it's worth anything, but I do know it's worth a lot to me. Um, it was an incredible gesture, and one of my favorite stories about camp, and it started right at the beginning. Um, and we also had a kid who, whose dad um, would would send him packages, and the packages would come in a frozen. You know, if you get Omaha steaks now, they come in like that frozen box. You know, that styrofoam. And this is how this kid would get um, the uh, um, his gifts, and we would talk, and, and he always seemed to be eating ice cream at night, and the ice cream he ate was haagen and he was chocolate, haagen chocolate. And I said, you know, I'm addicted to haagen I said, I, a vanilla Swiss almond is my favorite. Uh, and I would tell him, he was about 12 years old. And um, so we spoke uh, about it, and uh, we had a big kick. And every once in a while, when he got a new box in, there would be uh, in the box, they'd send him uh, a vanilla Swiss almond, and he gave it to me. And I thought that was incredible, and I loved them, and it was amazing. Uh, one scary uh, note is that for about 15 years, every night, every night, no, I'm, I'm saying every night, before I went to bed, I would have a carton, a quart of vanilla Swiss almond. It eventually got, went to coffee ice cream from haagen but... Every night for 15 years. So they cost five bucks. At the time, I think four or five. I think they're more expensive now. I did it every night. So what? That's $35 a week times 52 weeks times 15 years. I mean, I could have bought a new car if I would have just stopped eating haagen which I have that now, considering my age and my diabetes, wasn't the smartest move. Um, anyway, it was the last uh, day of camp again, and we were going to play the championship game. And we would play the, the championship game for the little guys, for the y- younger players, on a, on the women's softball field at Trenton State. Um, and so I remember I used to umpire the first couple of innings just as a you know, I was kidding around and, and playing with them. And um, I went out and um, and uh, we would and we sat, um, got ready to play. And as we were getting ready to start the game, uh, uh, this enormous truck came driving by the field. And it went right past the field. And it, it turned out to be a haagen truck. Well, I got the biggest kick out of that. And I looked, I looked at everybody, it's haagen And the truck passed. We played the game, which took about an hour. And right after the game ended, I saw the truck coming back, and it turned into the parking lot for the field. And it drove right up to the field, backed up. Two men got out of the truck, and they went. They asked Coach Martin around, and I was there. And I said, what's up? He said, well, we have a present for you. 
This young man's father sent it. I said, who's that? Mentioned the boy's name. They opened up the truck, and from top to bottom, it was loaded with haagen ice cream. Enough ice cream to, to, to feed the whole campus of, of people, not just the camp. And we sat there, and the kids just went in and grabbed whatever they could. I, I mean, I, there's a picture of me inside the truck, which, of course, was refrigerated. Uh, with like, uh, I got, like, like, on my head, and I'm just, like, uh, uh, you know, enveloped in, in, uh, in uh, Haagen-Dazs ice cream. And um, we, we took as much as we could carry. Uh, we bought it for everybody, you know, back in the uh, dorm. And um, it, was a, a, it was really a great time. Um, another story that uh, was great at camp. There are so many, and I'll, I'll repeat them as, as we go along. Um, and I hope you enjoy them. Again, uh, if you have any uh, mention, anything to mention to me or... Uh, communicate with us. It's Ramapo, R-A-M-A-P-O 35 at gmail.com. Please don't hesitate to write. And um, as I mentioned uh, before, I'm going to play the entire uh, tape uh, of uh, Who's On First to finish uh, this podcast today. Um, I really hope that you're enjoying these and uh, there'll be many more. There are many, many stories uh, when you do something for 40, 50 years, uh, believe me, there are many, many stories. Uh, the next time we'll talk, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you the story of how the entire John Gotti uh, family, all of his grandchildren and children came to camp when we had it on, in CW Post on Long Island. That was an interesting story. Um, we had a I won't go into it now because it's too long, but we had a camp director. His name was Keith O'Rourke, and he played for me at Hofstra. He was a catcher, lefty hitter, one of the greatest kids of all time. Well, kids, now he's a man, obviously, with a family. But he was the camp director. You know, I would always be too good to be the camp director because that means I would have to get up in the morning. So I would get up like, you know, 10 o'clock, and I'd show up for lunch, and that would be uh, my day. The camp director... Had to be there early for breakfast and for everything else. And Keith O'Rourke, when I told him who was coming, he was in shock. You know, he said, uh, who are these people? I said, this is John Gotti's uh, grandson, and uh, and this is um, uh, uh, Angel's uh, uh, son, and this is uh, Victoria's son. Um, I... Uh, he was hysterical, and, and the little guy, his name was Frankie, he was, I don't know, he must have been about eight or nine, and he would steal the golf cart all the time. I mean, that was my main mode of transportation. I didn't want to haul my fat ass around all these big campuses. And he would steal the golf cart, and um, and one time he was driving the golf cart and just decided to jump off it, like as if he was in a uh, a movie chase. Jumped off the golf cart and went. Ro- the golf cart went flying, and he went rolling on the ground. By the time he stopped rolling, his entire face was full of scratches and marks. And all Keith O'Rourke could think of was that his grandfather is going to want to know uh, who beat the hell out of this little kid. So uh, <laughs> that was. I think he he left for a while, Keith. 
he wasn't able to handle uh, the excitement of that. And I'll talk about them more. They were wonderful, wonderful kids. Um, one of his grandchildren had John Gotti's uh, face tattooed to the his back shoulder. Um, they were very loyal, very respectful, great kids. And and later on, um, I don't know if you remember this, but later on they starred in a, a reality show called uh, Growing Up Gotti. And all, all those guys were at camp uh, year after year and played uh, with us and had fun with us. I remember um, I got a phone call uh, one time from uh, Carmine uh, Agnello, who was uh, Victoria Gotti's uh, husband, and he was. Uh, um, he told me, "Make sure you take care of the kids. Make sure you watch them." I said, "Carmine, I promise you, I will make sure that they are safe and there's no problem." And um, he said, "Okay, I'm going to send you a gift." I said, "Oh, that's not necessary." He goes, "No, no, I'm going to send you a gift." The next day, um, I got a box of Cuban cigars, no fakes, real Cuban cigars. I think they were delivered by a Cuban as well. So, um, and it was funny at the end of the phone call. Uh, from Karma and Agnello, um, a voice came in and said, "Okay, Mr. Agnello, your your time is up. Um, you you're finished." I says, uh, "Where are you calling from?" He was calling from state prison. So, is um, a a guy who who uh, kept his word with me and sent me the present, and um, I made sure I took care of his children. Uh, okay, well that's it for now. Uh, Please get to me if there's anything you want to talk about. And uh, soon we will be bringing in guests, guys like Keith O'Rourke, hopefully, and guys like Vic Rosario and guys like Pete Bryhoff and uh, uh, guys that have been with me for years, Freddie the, the France and, um, and a lot of the players as well. And we'll get to some of these stories. I think you'll enjoy them. Thank you again. Be well and... Um, Stay tuned for um, Who's On First by the great comedy team of Abbott and Costello. Thanks and stay well. Well, Costello, I'm going to New York with you. You know, Bucky Harris, the Yanks manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Abbott. If you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you know, I, mean, I never met the guys, so you'll have to tell me their names, and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you their names, but you know, strange it may seem, they give these ball players nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean and... His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. And their French cousin. French? Gouffé. Gouffé Dean. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, let's see, we have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find I out. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you know the fellow's name? Oh, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yes. <laughs> Look, you got a first baseman? Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> All I'm trying to find out is the fellow's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets the That's money. That's it. Who gets the money on he first base? He does, every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's wife? Yes. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Look, all I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name to the Who? contract? The guy. Who? How does he sign his That's name? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. <laughs> all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the players. I'm not changing nobody. Take it easy, buddy. I'm only asking you. 
Who's the guy on first base? That's right. Okay. All right. <laughs> and he, what's the guy's name on first no, base? No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Oh, he's on third. We're not talking about him. Now, let's <laughs> How did I get on third base? Why, you mentioned his name. If I mention a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. Now, who's playing third base? Why do you insist on putting who on third base? What am I putting on third? Oh, what is on second? You know what? Who on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Third, third base? Look, <laughs> oh, you got outfield? Sure. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Now, tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? I'm not. Stay out of the infield. <laughs> What's the guy's name in left field? No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> and the left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. Me, this field. Look, look, look. You got a pitcher on a team? Sure. The pitcher's name? Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, then man. Go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow are you going to tell me who's pitching? Now, listen. Who is not pitching? I'll who break is... your arm, you say. Who's on first? <laughs> What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Got <laughs> a catcher? Certainly. The catcher's name. Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitcher. Now you've got it. All we got is a couple of days on the team. <laughs> you know, I'm a catcher, too. So they tell I me. I get behind the plate, do some fancy catching. Tomorrow's pitching on my team, and a heavy hitter gets up. Yes. Now, the heavy hitter bunched the ball. When he bunched the ball, me being a good catcher, I'm going to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> Look, if I throw the ball at first base, somebody's got to get it. Now, who has it? Naturally. Who? Naturally. Naturally? Naturally. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. No, you don't. You throw the ball in a hole. Naturally. That's different. That's what I said. You're not saying that. I throw the ball to naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. That's it. That's what I said. Listen, you asked me. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. Now, you asked me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's it. Same as you. Don't change your mind. Same as you. I throw the ball to who? Whoever it is drops the ball and the guy runs a second. Yes. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to I don't know? I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Yes. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caught. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. What? I said I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. I'm in <laughs> 